Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Trapping Today podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Jeremiah Wood from trappingtoday.com and lots to talk about today. So it is the pretty well the end of the trapping season in most places, in most states. Um, some trapping seasons ended a month or two ago. Uh, some are still going on. Uh, but regardless of where you are, this time of year, things are kind of winding down. And honestly, for me, in most years in the past at trappingtoday.com, uh, I started winding down around this time as well. You know, I put up a uh, post here and there based on, you know, different reports from, from the major fur auctions uh, so people get an idea of what fur was selling for. But as far as trapping stuff, it was kind of a time of year that, things slowed down and, and traffic slowed down and, you know, people were moving on to other things. And so, uh, I usually did the same. So just started working on other projects and, uh, getting a, a bunch of other things done outside of the whole trapping world. Um, but as I talked about earlier, uh, this podcast is part of a kind of a effort I've, uh, undertaken the last oh, year or so to, uh, try to do a lot more with, um, you know, promoting trapping and providing information for trappers. So this year, I'm actually planning to continue on. I'll, I'll have a lot of other responsibilities that I'll be working on. I've got, I'll be outside uh, way more um, when the weather gets a little bit warmer and the snow starts to melt and be doing a, a bunch of other things. But I do plan on continuing to, to, uh, to do this podcast uh, regularly if I am able. And uh, we'll see how that goes. And also trying to provide articles and videos and and stuff that uh, trappers can tune into. So even though it's a slow time, um, I know some some of you are very dedicated and into trapping 12 months out of the year. And so um, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, hopefully I can keep keep uh, some information going. Um, so anyway, I. I I have a lot to talk about, which is kind of ironic considering it's the end of the season and, and uh, <clears throat> there isn't as much trapping news um, taking place, uh, but I do have a huge list. I actually decided to sit down and record a podcast and I, for the past 20 minutes or so, I just started uh, putting together a list and the list just kind of kept going and going and going. So uh, there is a lot to cover. And this may turn into a couple of different episodes, so uh, I won't give you too many teasers just yet. I'll just kind of move along through things, and then uh, we'll see how far we get. Um, One thing I wanted to bring up is uh, Coyote Trapping School. So if you haven't already checked that out, uh, I know it's the end of the trapping season in most places, which means it's a good chance to uh, brush up on your trapping skills and to get going on trapping education and trying to learn new things. So uh, usually these months before spring, summer, and uh, after trapping season is a good opportunity to to sit down and do some reading, uh, watch some videos, um, pick up a few DVDs. Uh, usually you can hit sales and discounts this time of year as the trapping supply companies are trying to clear out some inventory and get ready to, uh, you know, make space uh, and add adding new items to their catalogs. You know, those catalogs 
are are going to be getting put together in the next few months so they can be ready for the big convention seasons. So uh, this time of year, you know, it's oftentimes you can pick up some pretty good deals on things. Uh, and speaking of good deals, if you want to learn how to trap coyotes and uh, and you haven't done so yet, uh, Chris Pope at Coyote Trapping School has put together a really neat video training program that teaches you how to trap coyotes from uh, the ground up. It's uh, it starts at the very very basics and goes all the way to showing you catches in the field. It's uh, I believe it's over four hours of uh, video. I've I've gone through it. I've watched it all. Um, I learned how to trap coyotes about ten years ago. No, close to fifteen years ago, and uh, certainly have a lot to learn. And even though Chris's course was uh, targeted to beginners, uh, I did pick up a few a few good uh, th- key um, things that that I'm going to try on my trap line in the future. So uh, you can always learn a little something. Um, the training video course you can get a year access for ninety nine dollars, and if you go through my website trapping today, you get a twenty percent discount off of that. So simply go to trapping today, and you go down, scroll down on the sidebar. Um, find the links there, and there's a link there uh, to Coyote Trapping School. Um, if you want to just type in the address, it's tra- uh, coyotetrappingschool.com slash trapping today. That's coyotetrappingschool.com slash trapping today. Or coyote trapping school, if you prefer to pronounce it that way. Um, but anyway, that'll take you to a page, and uh, you can get the discount. So, like, uh, I don't know, about 80 bucks, uh, you can uh, go through that program. All right, so moving on. Um, one thing that I'm going to transition into, since we're moving out of the trapping season, and uh, there are there's less opportunity to talk about what's gone on in the trap line and, and so on, is I'd like to start uh, focusing on doing more uh, reviews of uh, trapping gear and equipment, um, of books, DVDs. I've actually started to do quite a few book and DVD reviews. Uh, I've been posting those up every few days on trappingtoday.com. So um, uh, gear and equipment, um, I'm planning on doing a lot of that. So whether it's a post on the on the blog or it's a YouTube video or, or uh, going over it here on the podcast, uh, plan on seeing more. And if you are a manufacturer or dealer um, of trapping equipment, supplies, uh, if you got something neat and interesting you want me to check out, or if you have a new book, you have a DVD, um, anything you want to have me take a look at and, and provide a review, maybe get some more exposure for your product. And uh, if it's a good product, uh, it'll give it an opportunity to, uh, for more people to see it and, and hopefully increase your sales. Um, so you can contact me if you're interested in that. Um, my contact, as always, is jrodwood at gmail.com. That's J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. So send that along if you're interested, and if if uh, you're just looking at uh, getting more information on what's out there, uh, keep uh, stay tuned on on those reviews. I'll talk about a couple of them here uh, today or in the next podcast. The other thing is, please share 
the podcast with your friends, with fellow trappers that you think might be interested. You know, it would be nice to have, uh, instead of uh, a few hundred people listening, it would be nice to have a few thousand people listening. And I believe it will hopefully continue to grow. But it can only do that uh, through you guys helping out and sharing and sending that uh, link along or, or telling people about the podcast. And you can find it any basically any podcatcher out there. Uh, it's on iTunes. It's straight on the website. You can listen to it right there. It's available from Google Play and I believe uh, Stitcher and a bunch of other places. So um, the other thing, advertising. I've had, I get three requests for advertising in the hopper right now. Um, I'm not ignoring you guys. I, I, I have contacted all yet and I'm just trying to figure out how everything's going to work out with advertising. I have to um, make sure that I, you know, I, I don't just want to take every everyone that wants to advertise and, and just, uh, you know, it'd be easy to take a bunch of money and just say, okay, I'll take your money and, and throw an ad up. But I do want to make sure that people who, who are visiting the website, who are tuning into the podcast, um, watching YouTube videos and, and so on, I want to make sure that I don't dilute the experience and don't uh, dilute the value that other the existing advertisers uh, have um, through the relationship with Trapping Today. So working on that, I'm, I'm going to find a strategy that I, I think will work and will also hopefully continue to pay the bills. Um, and finally, one more plug. I apologize if you're tired of the plugs and you want to get to the meat of the episode, but um, if you've heard uh, quite a bit about my new book, Fur Profit, it's the Trapper's Guide to the Modern Fur Market. It goes into a bunch of details. I won't get into them here because I've done that in the past, um, but it is now available on Amazon, and uh, it's eligible for Amazon Prime, so uh, the current existing price is $12, and if you're, you're a Prime member, you get that shipped for free, and it's usually pretty quick, like two-day shipping. Um, so uh, check that out if you want to am- order through Amazon. It's really easy to do. And hopefully um, getting some interest from supply dealers, and that will hopefully be in a lot of the catalogs and, and supply dealer websites here next this upcoming season. So moving on. Um, what would you like to see? I, I know there's always an opportunity to contact me on what you'd like to see in the podcast or, or what you'd like to have um, done on trapping today. What you Maybe I can research some things and provide more information for you. So I just wanted to, to mention that uh, that opportunity is there and just contact me if you'd like to see something and I'll see what I can do. Um, somebody suggested I talk to Steve Rinella, uh, the meat eater, and uh, I actually did that by realizing that, uh, you know, this is an insanely small market compared to what he's doing in the outdoor channel type uh, environment. And uh, he's got this huge podcast, you know, he's interviewing U.S. senators and uh, famous uh, people in the hunting world. And um, he's done a couple of things on trapping too, but uh, way, way above my league, but I did contact him and uh, hopefully he's... Uh, now aware that trapping today exists and maybe someday uh, we'll be able to talk to him on a podcast that'd be pretty awesome all right let's talk about um 
some of the updates on fur auctions. As I record this podcast, we are officially completed uh, with the NAFA February-March sale. This is their first big fur auction of the season for 2018. And uh, the last podcast, I went over the averages for most everything except for uh, Bobcat, Lynx, Martin, and Fisher. Um, so I'll go over those. But first, just to, you know, wanted to bring up the point that uh, when you read a report from the auction companies, you're always going to, s- things are always going to seem a little rosier than than they may actually be. So, uh, you know, we we continue to be in a very tough fur market, but, you know, it's their uh, prerogative to try and sell you that on the fact that, you know, they did really well, they did a good job, prices are good, and it's because of their a lot of times because of their promotion and things are real encouraging and I get it you know they have to take a glass half full attitude um, to encourage people to send fur to them Um, but uh, I guess from me what you will see is a a glass the level that it's actually at attitude so (laughs) I'm trying to provide a little bit of a objective view of this so basically uh, reading the the report of the auction, it was basically that you know this was a great auction, lots of demand, new buyers, uh, a lot of Koreans in in the auction room, and um, everything is looking better. Um, in reality, it's pretty much the same. Um, the market is pretty much continuing to plod along. Uh, you honestly can't say anything positive about the beaver market. Um, 10 to 12 dollar averages on beaver th- across the board there's essentially no market there so things like that is kind of like come on guys um, I know I know you you have to um, put a positive light on things but uh, it's really not that good um, we pretty much maintain levels from last year for most items beaver are down muskrat uh, down a little bit um, minker up a little bit so uh, you know thing, things haven't changed much but of course there were the bright spots we talked about the coyotes uh, being a bright spot uh, NAFA actually um, in in the report the the sale report they did not give an average for all bobcats sold they just said that 75% were sold and the westerns averaged 378 99. Um, what they didn't say is the only cats that sold were pretty much the, the top end cats. And I, I think they tried to move the ones that they held over from last year that didn't sell. Um, but the real average for Bobcats is f- way lower, way lower than, than that $378 uh, average. So that's something to keep in mind. The coyotes, on the other hand, were, were much better than last year. Links about the same, a little lower. Links sold 70%, and the average about $65.53. So uh, they're down. Uh, it's it's kind of sad. The links used to be $200 item. So um, Martin actually didn't do too bad. Martin was uh, encouraging. I'm guessing that's because of all the Koreans that were that were buying in this auction. So the heavy number one Martin averaged like uh, 80 just under $88. So these are 
typically the northern Canadian and Alaskan type Martin. And the semi-heavies, uh, more of the, the Martin that you find further south. Uh, a lot of what we have here in Maine and um, some some places in like New Brunswick and Ontario, southern Ontario, um, those averaged a little over $57. So that was really encouraging to see those averages. And uh, they sold at 100%. And Fisher sold at 91% for about $46 average. Um, not great, but not, you know, it's it's a little better than, than the last auction. So uh, the Fur Harvesters auction is coming up in just a couple days. By the time you listen to it, it'll be well underway by the time you listen to this podcast. And uh, there's a lot of Martin and Fisher going to be in that sale, so uh, that's a good thing to look forward to. Um, there's also probably a fair number of beaver, um, so I'm not too excited about what's going to happen there, but um, we'll see how it goes, and, and we'll keep you informed on that. Moving on. I had a contact from a young woman by the name of Pamela Paquette, I believe is how it's pronounced, in Massachusetts. And she has a pretty interesting business. I actually... After uh, we emailed back and forth a couple times, I I looked her up online, and um, it's something that is unique and interesting, and I'm not sure whether I like it or don't like it or whether trappers should support it or not. So um, anyway, the the reason she contacted me is because she was looking for a source of fur uh, for... Um, a business she has making fur coats and garments and so on. Um, but the the catch was the fur had to be roadkill. So it's a really unique business where she only takes roadkill fur, skins it, tans it, or has it tanned, and makes it into garments and fur coats and charges quite a bit of money for it. Um, the reason for this is she, so she's a, a business person and a pretty savvy business person and, and a, grew up on a farm and uh, you know isn't, isn't freaked out about killing animals or anything, but she saw a, an inefficiency in the market, what, uh, oftentimes what, what entrepreneurs call uh, an inefficiency in the market. Um, she noticed a, an area where um, she could take advantage of a situation that uh, um, was pro- provided a unique opportunity. And what this situation is, is a lot of people are turning away from wearing fur because they are guilty about animals being killed to uh, provide... Uh, fur for their fur coats and accessories and so on. Now, this is a certain percentage of the population. It's not everybody, um, but there is that sentiment among a lot of Americans. So, I I will go into this in more detail either further in this episode or in the next episode um, about how uh, people... It is a very ridiculous argument to, to have to feel guilty 
uh, about wearing fur for the animal's sake because um, the idea that by not wearing fur you're going to save animals is is completely bogus. Um, animals are limited by habitat, food availability, competition, and disease. And if we don't harvest them as trappers, they become overabundant and they die from sickness and starvation as opposed to dying a quick, humane kill from a, a trapper or a hunter. So it, it's a goofy thing to begin with because it, it, I don't think people should feel guilty at all. But they do. And the fact is they do. And the fact is she is capitalizing on this opportunity where she can provide fur um, and also allow people the ability to feel good about wearing that fur. So I don't know how I feel about it, um, again, because I, I don't know whether I should, you know, feel like, well, this is pretty cool that, you know, you're, you're, you're doing this and still providing a market for uh, the fur and getting people wearing fur who otherwise would not wear fur. So that's kind of neat. But at the same time, is that sending the wrong message um, that... Uh, that at wearing fur is is not good, or you should feel guilty about wearing wearing, wearing fur from animals that were trapped. Uh, so it's a, a real confusing situation, and um, love to hear your thoughts on it. If you want to provide feedback on that, um, so she's looking for fur. Um, it has to be roadkill, uh, coons. She uses coon, beaver. A few other animals, coyotes, uh, but some, you know, coons are probably the easiest uh, because of the number that you find on the road. And so she she's willing to pay a lot more uh, than than we're currently getting. She saw I provided a fur market report on on YouTube, and she she picked up on that and said, "This is ridiculous. You guys you guys should be getting a lot more money for your fur than than what you're getting." And I'm willing to pay more. Um, but it, it can be can be slightly damaged. Um, don't need head. Don't need don't need feet or anything. Uh, but it's got to be roadkill. So I don't know. Maybe it's an opportunity for trappers. Uh, I'll probably talk to her and, and just discuss it. It may be an opportunity. It may be something that uh, is not worth supporting. I don't know. Um, but anyway, it, it got me thinking a little bit beyond just this business of the, this whole roadkill fur thing. It, it, it got me wondering if whether there is an opportunity for somebody to take advantage of the fact that um, all, all of the positive aspects that we as trappers um, are involved with in, in harvesting wild animals. So we know that trapping can provide a lot of positive benefits by keeping animal wildlife populations uh, at a healthy balance with their habitat. Um, if there was an opportunity for trappers to, uh, for someone to take advantage of sort of a niche market where uh, it would have to be the right person, it would have to be somebody involved in the fashion industry who also understands trapping, and, and that may be difficult. Uh, I, I know there are a few of them out there, and uh, it, it may be worth talking to them. Uh, but, but someone who can market uh, from a unique perspective of providing fur 
uh, coats and hats and mittens and so on to people in the fashion industry in the city who are people who are you know highly fashionable and have the uh, available income the available spending money and want to buy this stuff to be able to say you know the this fur was harvested sustainably by a local trapper in this this area they used humane methods and here's some paperwork and some background information on that trapper and what they're doing and how they're how they're managing uh, these wildlife populations and uh, and and it's something that you as a consumer can feel good about um, they're providing they're following uh, standards uh, they're they're obeying the laws and regulations they are harvesting in a sustainable manner in the state that they harvest in has a management plan um, that they're working within you know something to to take advantage of the fact that we we know that um, from our perspective this is a good thing you know what what we're doing and it's a very valuable uh, service to to the ecosystem and the resource uh, we just need to find a way to sell that to people and and to uh, help them see our point of view, and I think a lot of people would uh, would would re- that would resonate with with a lot of members of the public who um, who realize how valuable fur is and how it's a really high quality item. You know, fur is durable, really durable. You know, talk about durable. Um, I got two young boys running around the house, and we got tan pelts from animals that I've trapped over the years and gotten tanned, and they do all kinds of different things those pelts they're running around and playing with them throwing them across the floor and jumping up and down on them and tear, pulling them and tearing them uh fighting with each other once in a while and pulling them out of each other's arms and play tug of war and uh this this fur is it's unbelievable years of this and uh these fur garments are are still in excellent shape they haven't lost any hair they're still you know you could make a hat or mittens out of them and uh provide a really good uh quality uh item uh to wear so uh pretty cool um and how durable fur is and it's sleek it's shiny it's soft it's warm it's extremely warm uh i can't remember if i mentioned a lady um from up in Northwest Territories, she's making uh, hand warmers for uh, out of beaver fur. So uh, there's, you know, it's just a really utilitarian item that that has a lot of value. And I think if people could better understand where their fur comes from, how it's harvested, and and realize that you don't need to feel guilty about this. It doesn't have to have that stigma around it. Um, you know. Maybe maybe we can help uh, bring back a few of these niche markets for for wild fur. So that's about all the time we have for this episode. Um, I have a number of other items to cover. So in the next episode, um, I'm going to talk uh, about what I mentioned about uh, fur trapping and the fur market and the whole ethical concerns. Uh, I actually had an interview uh, the other day um, guy emailed me a bunch of questions to uh, to talk about for a project he's working on and uh, I feel I'm, I'm gonna read them to you my answers to you along with the questions in the next podcast and uh, 
just to give you a few things to think about from my perspective as a trapper, um, the ethics of trapping, the current state of the market, and so on. Uh, I have a just watched uh, Kyle Kotz's uh, Glands DVD. It's called Glands, a trapper's commodity. I'll do a little review on that. Um, there's a couple other items. There's a, a book, a Russ Carmen book that I may talk about and uh, a few other things going on. So stay tuned for that, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, again, share the Trapping Today podcast with your friends. Um, absolutely enjoy having you listen, and I appreciate it. And keep on talking trapping, thinking trapping. It's probably not trapping season, but uh, a few months from now, we're, we're going to be getting ready for the next season. Um, talk to you next time.